I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I've been, in the last three weeks, I've been getting high at work. Never done that in my life. What's wrong with that? Hello, sweet friends, and welcome back to the Vanatron Curious World Podcast. Today's guest is Joshua Olakowski, and you may know him as Josh Martin Gunn. Josh is, uh, he's many things. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, uh, if you find yourself walking and talking with Josh in the streets of Manhattan, you, you really have to prepare yourself that uh, he's going to break away and he's going to hit on a girl. That's, uh, that's his thing. He's, uh, he, you know, picking up women is, uh, he has it down to a science. It's, it's just, it's fascinating to me. And he's a ladies man, but what, what can I say? He's, uh, and he's, it's just so unique to me. When he came on the show, you know, when he came on the show, we actually didn't talk about any topics of what we're going to talk about or, or things that, you know, he didn't want, he wasn't comfortable talking about. He just wanted to have an open forum and see where it goes, which is what, you know, that's what I, I love that when, when guests are, are that open. So, because we were pressed for time, we, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to, to record this one. We, we actually didn't even get to around to talk about the thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh, but, you know, instead, I, I, it's maybe it's for the best. In the best in the sense that what we did talk about and what you'll hear right now is, you know, we, um, you know our, our kind of our upbringing and why we chose the path of, of being an artist and um, just our perspectives on on acting and, and and of course you know we talk about weed so it's good I, it's uh, it you know it reminds me why I respect Josh as uh, as an artist and, and as an actor and and. Um, Oh, he's a he's a really good he's just a real cool dude, and uh, I think you'll find out why uh, when you listen to this. He also, I mean, aside from uh, aside from being a, an exceptional actor, he um, breaks out this impromptu song at the end, and uh, you know, despite the uh, audio limitations, I mean, you'll hear sirens in, you know, in the background when we're talking. He really nails it. You know, one take, he just nails it. Motherfucker. Anyway, uh, it's a real cool song, too. I mean, uh, it, again, I, I wish this podcast was a little longer, it, and I feel like we need to have a part two. Because, Josh, there's so many lonely guys out there that really need your help. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's a good one. So, um, stick around, and Josh Martin Gunn. and drink coffee. That's, this is going to be kind of weird. I know, really. You're going to be like... <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> What's going on? I know. It's, it's actually... It kind of makes a little paranoid, I think. Yeah. Which I kind of like, actually. I like when I get paranoid. It's kind of a new high, you know? <laughs> paranoia? It's, yeah. You get high off the paranoia. I hate to say it, but I've been... 
I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I've been, for the last three weeks, I've been getting high at work. Never done that in my life. What's wrong with that? Like, how high? No, I'd have a quick little hit and then go off to work. And then just oh, that's be... like buzzed, right? I... Yeah. But I, I, for me, it's still considered like wrong. Like, oh, you're under the influence by going to work, you know? But Whoa, whoa, you mean you consider it wrong from your own moral standards yeah. or if you get caught? No, no. Yeah, if I get caught. It's, oh. It feels wrong because of societal standards. I, For me, morally, I don't think it's wrong. People you work with know? Some do, yeah. Yeah. Are they down or are they? Yeah, just yeah, like, they're they're they laugh. They're like they're like, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if everybody knows. I'm sure by the abrupt change in personality, I'm sure like some of them are like Josh is a little strange today. And and one girl said um, when I came in, uh, she said, "Hey Josh, what's up?" I said, well, I said, "Your eyes look different." And I go, "Really? Like 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 hangover different?" She says, "Yeah." So then I was trying to indicate, oh, yeah, I went out drinking last night or something, you know. So hopefully, <laughs> hoping that she would know. But, uh, he he <sighs> parties hard. <laughs> but it mellows you out. It's, you know. It totally mellows It's not like, man. you know, I've, I've actually worked with people who are drunks who come in and they're like, got the bulbous red nose and they're sweating. And it's just, it, that's yeah, sad. that is, yeah. I don't see how people can do that. That, because you're just, you're, you're totally, um... What's the word? You're 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 just not focused. Well, your your body's falling apart. Yeah, and you're sweating. You're you're not. At least when I'm drunk, you're not you're not relatable. You're not. You can't talk. With with getting weed, you're more relatable. I think you're more down to earth. You're recording this, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're kind of become. That's what's a little scary about it, because I um. The paranoia does kind of set in a little bit, and I'm like, am I going to get in trouble? All these, like, questions. But I realize that's, like, totally just my ego. Like, no one cares. Unless you're making... Unless you're making a, a fool out of yourself, you know. Or your work suffers. or what, Well, that's that the thing. In moderation, right? Anything in moderation. I think if, like, most people, if you... if Let's say you drink a, 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 a beer. I mean, everything in moderation, I think you'd be okay. Yeah. It's just that some certain people go overboard on certain things. It could be anything. You could eat like a bunch of food and have to go to work and have to take massive shits. That would be <laughs> that would be unprofessional. Or even well, yeah, anything. There's people who exercise too much. I think. Do you think that's an addiction? Yeah. Well, hmm. Depends on where you're... I think, actually, it depends more on where you're coming from. If your addiction is to look good, then yeah. It's an addiction. I, well, if, if... I saw this documentary on bodybuilders, and that is... I mean, they're all addic- They're all addicts. It's all personality-based. Yeah. Like, these guys... Yeah. He, you know, this one guy said he, he works out eight hours a day. That's <laughs> ridiculous. I don't do anything for eight hours. Hmm. You think it's ridiculous? I don't know. I wouldn't say. It. Oh, it's it's definitely no. People can do whatever well, they want. They're not yeah. hurting anybody. Right. I'm just saying they're, they're it's clearly an addiction. It's um. I don't know. It's just like where they feel comfortable. I used to play. You know, I was a classical musician back in the day, before I was an actor, and I played tuba. 
was a concert tuba player, if you can believe that. Did I tell you that? Did you? Yeah, yeah, this is all coming back to me. Okay. But I can't, I thought you were supposed to be like 300 pounds. I know, really. No, no. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You know, when, whenever you see a movie about a certain culture or a certain profession, like the wrestler comes to mind. And you see the, the behind the scenes of what's going on. And how people really take it seriously, and just sides of the of the industry. You never, you just think it's kind of a you know a clown show when you watch wrestling on television. But you see how seriously people take it. Same thing in the tuba world. You'd be just so surprised how seriously people take it. And just like acting, it's so competitive. And I was practicing four to five hours a day, just playing. High tuba. school. High school, latter part of high school, all through college. Wow. I got a, because I, I, well, I got a scholarship for it. And um, <clears throat> I got so caught up in the competition of it, too, because you just want to be the best, you know? Uh -huh. And it's your survival, and, you know, they, you're, you're, you're taught, if you take one day off, you're, you set yourself back two weeks. Like, that was taught. What drew you to that particular instrument? I think, well, in, I started in high school. I actually am a latecomer when it comes to music. Like, I didn't start formal training until high school and all that sort of stuff. Because we just happened to have a, a, a band, um, a beginner band, and it was an elective. So I got in there, and um, at first I wanted to be a, you could choose your instrument, and at first I wanted to be a drummer. Then I went to the trumpet, and then the, t <laughs> the teacher says, um, one day I walk into his office and he has you know, this this big old tuba sitting there, and I was just like, wow, what is that? It's just, it just has this... It's like something from, like, Neptune's chamber. Yeah, man, it's like this big, amazing instrument-looking thing, and I go, what's that? And he, he looks at what I'm looking at, and then he looks at me, and says, that's a tuba, you want to play that? And he was immediately interested, because no one plays... Who wants to play the fucking tuba, you know? <laughs> And he was like... Um, he was. He immediately saw it in my eyes. Like, wow, he's interested in this. And I was like, well, I'd like to try it out. So, he, it was kind of a instrument he had to assemble together, and it was old and dirty and whatever. And I blew on it, and it kind of felt kind of cool to blow this low note out of this big old instrument, you know. And then he, um, he said, if you take that instrument. I guarantee you an automatic A. He started like making a contract with me how my high school career is gonna go. He goes, he goes. I'll give you an automatic A for this class. I can guarantee you next year you'll be in the concert band, and then that following time, as a sophomore, you will be in. Um, oh, I forgot what we call uh, the symphonic band, which is the highest band. He says most people don't make it till junior year. I can guarantee you. I know you're talented enough. You will. And I was like, all right. Yeah, sounds, I, he sounds like a pimp. What <laughs> he, he was, but he was. Um, but uh, but he knew he needed a tuba player, and I didn't realize this. But he was just he was just you know he was just trying to get me to stick with the tuba because it's hard to find a tuba. Yeah, player. he he has his own. Yeah, he, he had an agenda yeah. going on. But man, I started playing it, and then I I'm, I. It was like the first time ever really being formally introduced to the world of the performing arts. Like the world. But but is that but when you started playing it, what was you, how did you react? Did you were like, oh, I'm going to have take some getting used to this or you're like was it like a lightning bolt moment? It was I would I would say it falls on the more on the lightning bolt side because I just knew I was I think the other reason I, I chose it was because it was going to give me a lot of attention. There's this big ass <laughs> instrument 
that people are gonna be like, what the hell did you just pick? I said, this is the tuba, man. Like, everyone was t picking saxophone and trumpet and, you know, all the, the, the cool instruments. Which, of course, I wish I was playing right now. <laughs> but I was like, no, I, I, I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna choose this huge instrument. And, and it got me attention, and it was bigger than me at the time. I was only like four, ten freshman year in, in uh, high school. And here's this instrument that I would hurl on top of my back. And um, the, the band hall to my car was clear across the campus. So I would take this big old instrument, put it on my shoulder, and walk clear across the campus like... Don't they have? But traditionally, aren't they? Aren't oh yeah, like, there's there's a cart, yeah. but our, our school was too cheap, and <laughs> we didn't have that. But, but but you know, like other instruments, like you know, oh, I want to sound like Jimi Hendrix, or I want to sound like you know John Coltrane. But you didn't have that, right? You were just like, I'm. This sound, this feels good. I'm just gonna keep doing it. Um. No, in the beginning, no. Now I think about it, you're absolutely right. There was no. That's interesting you bring that up, actually, because there was no one to look up. There's no role model. You could be like, yeah, I want to do that. I think that's another attractive quality about that instrument, is that there were no standards to live by. <laughs> right. So you can kind of invent your own self as did you have a did, did you have like a like somebody else who you could kind of compare notes with in the band? No. There it was, was just you. There, I have to admit, there was one kid who came, I think, my senior year, who played the tuba, and there was kind of a threat. It's like, uh-oh, there's this new tuba player. <laughs> but I, I, didn't, I didn't lose my... And I didn't really get to know him. I knew of him, and we talked and all that. But no, there wasn't someone well, to be fuck like... Fuck you, you're my understudy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck you, man. I'm trying to come in on my territory. But yeah, dude, I... I um, yeah, I just played that. And so, as I was getting better and more interested and just attracted by the world of the performing arts. Which, you know, choosing tuba eventually led me to be an actor. I really believe that, you know, that's all connected. Um, and I was studying with, um, the, I, I got serious, I started studying with the principal tubists of the San Francisco Ballet and the San Francisco Symphony. I was living in San Francisco. And um, they were the first people to tell me uh, this guy, I'll never forget, Peter Warhoff, dude. He's principal tubist of San Francisco Ballet. <clears throat> I remember one day he said, express yourself. At a lesson, I was taking private lessons, and he said, just express yourself. Just... Is that when you whip out your dick and start running around? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be weird. <laughs> mm. No, but it was a it was an interesting moment. It was for me. No one's ever really told me to do that through another medium. That was like a light. I was like, wow. And I went home and practiced for like I couldn't stop practicing because I I didn't this concept of expressing myself just never really. I was just playing to play. I was just trying right. to be good. You're on this technique, and one day, wow, it's like holy shit. Where does somebody practice the tuba and doesn't feel the wrath of? Family and neighbors. Dude, have you ever listened to like a solo tubist? Before? It's loud, right? No. It's very soothing. Really? Very soothing sound. Mm. It's not like a lot of people, I think, stereotypically go boom, 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 like something. Like, I wish I had my tube here. It's in my storage. But 
it's a very I mean it has a very soothing calming sound and so when people hear it it's not jarring at all it's very warm like think of a cello just think right, of a nice right. cello yeah and so you um well aside outside of school how did you transport uh the tuba what do you mean well you said you said that you were kind of lugging it to your car if you had to go out and do like performances and stuff did, does that you just, yeah, you just muscle up and you, just kind of well move you around put it in the car of course and you drive to your place and then you pull it out yeah, it was a pain in the ass man it's a, it was eventually the reason why I, I left, I think. I hated carrying this big old instrument. How did uh, how'd your family react to you wanting to play that? Um, well, they never said, don't do it. <laughs> That's a good endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> they, they never were like, are you sure, sure you want to? They, so, I mean, and in that act alone, they were, they were supportive. I... I do think, you know, your parents kind of know you better than yourself. And I think they knew to some weird extent that it was kind of a phase um, in a way. Uh, even though I'm, I'm serious about music and I still love to sing and, you know, I'm always playing something. Um, but I think they were just like, well, but they, but they knew, I think as parents... You know, one of the things they knew is like, you know, let this guy figure it out. If he wants to be a tuba player, let him be a tuba player, man. Who knows? You know? Yeah, that's awesome. I wish more more parents were had that attitude. I yeah. Mean, a lot of parents are, they try to put their kids on a track. Right. Totally. Yeah. And they, you know, they they enforced schoolwork and stuff like that, and they were they were much more of academia. They much more wanted me to be good at that stuff, whereas music was looked at as like a an extracurricular activity. Right. Same with acting. It was always considered something you did on the <clears throat> more on the side, not something you totally immersed yourself in, you know. But so how did, how, did, how did you flip the switch from uh, <clears throat> from from music to uh, to acting? I well well keep in mind I was always exposed to the theater growing up. We had a friend in the family who produced a lot of community theater and so we went to those productions all the time and then um, <clears throat> my dad always took us to the theater uh, like like the high school productions not the main super expensive you know go to the city but he always took us to the high school productions and what what compelled him to do that um he I mean did, did you know anybody in there it seems it's unique for parents to, to take the family really? to a local theater no, 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 it was, when I say, it was the high, okay, I'm not, I, I didn't tell you what my dad is, my dad taught at a high school, and he oh. would bring us to the high school theatrical productions. he teach in the arts? No, he taught, well, in a way, he taught English, English and typing, this is back when he actually <laughs> took typing class, no one does that anymore, I don't think. Because we're all typing on our thumbs. I know, thumbs. It's, it's a whole new world, it's, uh, it's crazy. Mm. But yeah, he was, um... So he would take you guys to, to support the school? Yeah. Okay. Support the school and support our friend who also produced community theater. And so I was exposed to a fair amount. You know, I was looking at it and enjoying it. And there was never this... I don't know. 
I can honestly say back then it was just something, it was still considered something I just went to. It's not something I necessarily, I mean, I did participate in school, but it was, yeah, like I said, just a fun thing to do. It wasn't never taken seriously or even inspired where I was like, I gotta, I gotta be up there. Um, and that happened later for some reason. It didn't happen when I was a kid. I just naturally did it like you would naturally go out and play baseball or something. Right. And do you remember any of the shows that you saw when you were a kid? That you were like, wow, this is really nice. <sighs> or were they like, were they revivals or were they original works that like the students wrote or? What? Man. <laughs> My earliest things were, um, were those children's theater tours that would come into your school. Oh, right. And, right. you know, do a production of some sort. And I was always like, who are those people? Me too. I'd be like, where did, what kind of life do they, where yeah. do they go after this? And not only that, there would sometimes, did you, would you see kids in the shows too? I don't like, remember. Like little ch- ch- child gypsies. <laughs> and I thought, who are those people, man? I want to be those people. You know, but I thought that was always kind of cool. I had a, a situation where we were at the park, and they had, like, something like that. And we right. had a bunch of kids, and, and uh, you know, people just, it's like, and they were recruiting people to come see the performance. So I said, well, I, I'd love to be part of the performance. Oh, and really? they're, huh? Really? Okay. Yeah, so, and I was just kidding. And they're like, okay, well, we may have some lines for you. I went, great. I actually didn't know what they were doing. I just knew that they were going to be upstage, and I was like, okay. And so uh, uh-huh. they told me these lines. You think you think you can memorize it? And I went, yeah, yeah, no problem. And so, you know, so everybody who is, is at the park, we all come in and kind of take our seats at the little, kind of like, you know, there's like benches and a, uh, there's like a makeshift stage out there. Uh-huh. And uh, my, my part was like, I was like, just kind of like a forest child of, of like two other like th- two or three other forest children right and, and it's not like a it's not like Eugene O'Neill I mean this play was like maybe 20 minutes okay and uh, so I know my part that I'm supposed to come in and say a few lines and stuff like that and then uh, and so I got along and everything was great right. and then uh, and there's like hey you know we, we really like working with you do you want to do you want to come with us like come with you where? That's like, well, we do this at different parks and you know outside of museums and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I was like, uh, but I live here. It's like, what? Like, how? What about school and everything? Oh yeah, don't worry about that. And it was just so. I mean, I mean, looking back, wow. they were probably a cult, but because uh, they were so nice. But. Um, oh, you didn't join. You didn't. No, 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 I didn't do it. And well, I they, I would have to live with them. Oh wow! Oh shit! <laughs> they were like a traveling theater group. Oh really? Yeah, but they, I mean they were like hippies. But yeah, it was just so weird. Like, what if? Well, I would never do it. That was a really hippie thing to do back in the day. I bet. To to, to travel and put up performances. Yeah, yeah, in little schools. That was. I mean, now it's like a full blown business. You know, people have professional children's store. But I I I'm I mean I'm sure there are those. Maybe when it was more of a novelty, it was like, hey, let's just like, I, travel around. In the West Coast, you probably had more of that, right? Yeah. But I wanted to get back to what you were saying, what you were doing. What's interesting, though, is that you were drawn to it. Oh, well, I yeah, I wanted to be, I guess, you know, I, I guess we were, you know, before we turn on the mics, we were talking about, uh, talking about, um, actually, I think when we were still on, we were talking about addiction and, uh, 
it's I think I believe that addiction is really a part of your personality. Okay. So either some people are more prone to being addicted and yeah. some people aren't. Okay. Um, and I feel that we have our different personality traits in us. Some of us need to be want to be performers and some of us want to be more analytical. I think that was just part of that I liked it. I was never shy in front of people like that. Um I mean, if, like, when I was a kid in front of parties, like, mm-hmm. you know, my parents would have parties, I would be shy. Yeah. Because, because it was me. I didn't have to anything. I didn't have, like, a mask to hide behind where I was anonymous in front of these people at a park or, mm-hmm. what, you know, if I was, like, the big bad wolf in, like, production of my elementary school's Three Little Pigs, I could hide behind a, a mask. And, um, and I, I liked it. In fact, I gravitated to it. Mm. But uh, in personal situations, I was always nervous. Yeah, but it's. It, I think I was gonna go into some like transcendental place. I was like, but it's cool that. Like another person, would not be. It's it's just interesting how you naturally just went that way, like you natu- like you're whatever inside you just went. Ooh, you guys perform and like wow, like like there was no. Whereas someone else, you know, you introduce them to that world, and they're like, uh, no, but they naturally go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, with uh, household, upbringing. Yeah. I mean, I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid, mm-hmm. so I was really into, like, make-believe and creating my own stories and things like that. Uh, and I guess, you know, some people are kind of raised, uh, you know, very analytical or... Um, you know, don't talk to strangers, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think th- things like that need to be some sort of, like, a lot of ingredients need to be put into play. Well, it's a, it's also it's also an itch. Um, I don't know how true this is, but I can definitely see it as, at the end of the day, you just want to be loved. Of course. And, you know, am I, like, striving for that? Am I... You know, I didn't get enough love growing up, or you know, wasn't shown enough, or something like that. And you're like, you're, you're, every person you meet, whatever, you're just like, hey, love me, love. You know, you're constantly saying that. You know, almost yeah. subliminally. You know, you're just, well, I think performers, that that's kind of etched in us. Yeah. But what we do is we 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 want to receive that love on our on our terms. Mm. And some people want that, like literally, like they want like people to say. I admire you. You're great. Yeah. Um, And that's like an emotional thing. And that could translate to if you're a stockbroker or a singer or firefighter, whatever you do. Right. Uh, But I think maybe performing by by definition is you're seeking approval. Mm. You know, people, you don't, you don't, you don't do something. So people say, yeah, I saw what you, I saw you in, uh, uh, so even King Lear, man, you were really fucking shitty. Oh, well, you know what? I'm just doing my thing. I'm just doing my thing. Nobody does that. Right, I mean, you right. you want approval, but you want you want that approval on your terms, you know, based on your work. Um, yeah, but definitely, it's it's it speaks to an emotional right uh, um, emotional want. Sometimes it's healthy, and sometimes it's it's unhealthy. Uh, and sometimes I think people get into you know the uh, the world of acting or performing, only for that. You know, only for that praise. I think it's it's there to some degree by nature, but also too. I mean, there's you know, there's the whole idea of telling stories mm-hmm. and you know just kind of 
uh, <laughs> being creative, which I know a lot of people just kind of kind of put that as a secondary yeah. item. Well, it definitely uh, for me personally, um, I think I think me getting into the business of acting, there was definitely a and keep in mind how I said the business of acting, not acting. Business of acting was all was I think, I think ultimately, and coming to New York too, just being like way super ambitious, almost overzealous ambitious. Um, I I was more focused on that, and the more I've kind of been more into my art. And I know this is a story you hear all the time, but the more I'm just more into just developing myself as an artist and not worrying about money and, you know, am I going to work and all that sort of stuff, has at least been comforting for me. Like, you know, I'm 40, I'll be 41 on uh, next week, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, happy <laughs> birthday, dude. Thanks, man. Uh, um, any plans? I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going to Cali next, uh... What's it like going home for you? What's it like? Hmm. It's, um... Well, I only see my folks once a year. And, um... For your birthday? <laughs> well, this is actually the first time I'm going to go to... Uh, this is the first time I'm actually going to go home for my birthday. I usually go for Christmas or Thanksgiving, right. usually on the holidays. So this is the first time I'm going to go home on my birthday because I didn't go for Christmas. And so that I'm going to get hit birthday. I'm going to hit birthday and then Mother's Day is the week following. So. All right. Anyway. Well, for me, I mean, it's always. You know, I grew up in a very uh, working-class family, very blue-collar, so uh -huh. the idea of me being an artist was never really... It was just foreign. It was like, I wanted, hey, I want to go live... I'm going to go into this rocket ship, and we're going to go live on Mars. Okay. It was kind of like that same thing. So whenever I go home, it's always this this ambiguity of, you know, is, uh, is Van okay? Is he doing okay? Is he, is he happy? Uh... Wait, your parents? You think your parents are asking that question, or you're yeah, no, asking yourself that question? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's. I, I mean, yeah. It's more more my parents. Um, it's this uncertainty because it's like I chose to be a deep sea diver and they've never been in the ocean. So it's like, oh uh, well, I hope he's doing okay. I mean, to this day, my mom. Whenever I talk to my mom, she'll ask like, "Hey, did you work today?" And it could be like Sunday or what you know or. Right. It's like, you know, she, she comes from this, this mentality of, you know, earn your keep, you know, work, you know, work every day. And I'm really yeah. fucking lazy. Right. And obviously if I don't have to work, I won't work. Like most people, I don't really think that's a bad thing. But my point is, um, so when I go home, it's, it's this, I wish we could, I wish I, I, I could bring them to a point of like understanding of, my happiness is not predicated on, on wealth. Oh, they, that's how they feel. Well, they just want, you know, like, I think most parents, they, they want their child to be happy. Right. So how do you become happy in terms of, well, if you're, 
if you're struggling, then you're not happy. You can't be happy. Right. You know, if you live a you know a pauper's life, then you can't be happy. If you if you have nice things and you are taken care of, you can pay bills. Then then yeah, you sh- then then you know at least you don't have that worry. Mm-hmm. So I've always um, there've always been this disconnect that I wish I could I could bridge you know bridge a little. And I always uh, I mean to my much to my regret, I always say like, you know, I, I, you know, this this vid is going to be a little different, and it never, I mean, shame on me, it just never kind of, it really just kind of dissolves to, you know, everybody's happy in the room, and uh, I'll take that as a victory. But your parents were pretty supportive of you uh, being out here and being an um, actor. Yeah. I I would say yeah they were I would say they were I think if anything I think they're glad that I'm just trying to pursue anything because <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know I I was I was definitely the the the, the son that probably took the most years off their life. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I was, I was, I had, I had behavioral problems in school, so the tuba didn't help. Oh, I think it did. Oh. I think that that's why they were like, yeah, okay, he's focused on something. What do you mean behavior problems? Like you were, uh, like bringing switchblades to school? No, 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 not that bad. Not, uh, I wasn't that bad. But, um, but I was uh, like in, I was, I went to the principal a lot when I was a kid. I got, in, um, I used to pick on, I used to actually be a bully. Wow. Yeah. And really young, though. I was, um, and, you know, there are, you would, I just found myself picking on the worst kid, you know. One kid? There was always that one that, you know. Oh, you would alternate. You would be like, okay, he's a little fat, I'm just going to, like, fuck with him. Yeah, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't, like, premeditated, though. That's the weird thing. I think, I think... Not that bullying is good or anything. It's just kids being kids. I mean, you you really don't realize what you're doing. You think what you're doing is right. You're, cause you're were you kid. with a group, or no, you was, were just kind of like a? Well, God, <laughs> makes me sound like a like, like I'm a future murderer. Or something. Uh, no, okay. The re- I, I should qualify that because this is actually uh, this came up actually pretty recently on, on another another mm-hmm. guest. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of bullies, like in. In my adult life, I, I I don't I don't know anybody who's like yeah you know I used to be this you know I used to be a chronic bully more than anything I mean I, I, you know since we're kind of in the same world a lot of artists were, were bullies as as a younger person yeah so I was just wondering like are those chronic bully bullyers bullies 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 what happens to them like do they do they reform do they reform like <laughs> you Josh or do they become like congressmen and highway patrol officers yeah, yeah well you I mean I've seen that story tons of times you know just you know just um, people who were who couldn't express themselves in maybe normal situations and they needed a vehicle to to do it in and and when they finally do it when they do find that vehicle it kind of sets a standard for the rest of your living, you know. What? Well, uh, so I mean, <laughs> I don't want to dwell on the negative too much, but what yeah. would you do? Like, how would you bully him? Mm. Um. Oh God. 
Because I think, I guess what I'm trying to get, I'm more curious about you when you said you had behavioral problems. So yeah. I'm just wondering, like, how is that correlating to, well, to, the, to one to the other? Well, see, the, the, the behavioral problems were a result of not being able to learn as fast as the other kids. I was a slow learner. So while kids were excelling, I was kind of being left behind. So... I guess instinctively, I guess you feel that as a kid, you know, everyone's getting better and you're still down here taking these remedial classes and I didn't realize that at the time, but you just, and so I think maybe in some weird way you lash out and, um, and so this, it, it was when I was youngest, when I was like six or seven, there was one kid and and me and this other kid used to gain up on this kid and we used to just basically throw things like little it was horrible, but there were like these little tree seed things. We used to just, we just, it was, <laughs> it was bad. And that, and that kid grew up to be Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. Probably, <laughs> he probably is somewhere. Um, and then in second grade, I, I had to go to the principal a lot because I just, I was just a disruptive kid in class. That transferred, I think, by third grade, by about eight years old. That started translating, luckily, into be more of the class clown being more the person that doesn't mind being laughed at because I would do things and then and then but did you guys move around a lot no so isn't that hard to reinvent yourself and if you're in the same neighborhood with the same group of kids you know I think uh, and it's really cool because I'm next uh, next week I'm actually going to go visit one of my childhood uh, best friends um you know look for the little kid to bully him again (laughs) <laughs> He's probably like six well, eight now. Yeah, I know, I know. Who knows? I, I've always wondered what happened to that kid. I ask every once in a while. No one really knows. But um, uh, I forgot the question. Oh, you were going back. Oh, well, before that, um, you were talking about uh, um, you were going to go back home and, and, and see a good friend. All right. But before that, we were talking about um, linking the the behavioral items. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I went off on a... So, yeah, so I think it was a reaction to that. Not, you know, you know, and because I, I couldn't read. My reading skills were, were very slow, and so my parents helped me with reading, with, like, words and stuff like that, and then um, to kind of catch up with the other kids. Um, but, yeah, I think... But it's funny how, you know, all that stuff, and it, it created anger... I think in me too. I think you have these anger. You start getting really upset that you're not like the other kids. You feel. I definitely felt somehow um, less. There was always a feeling in my life that I I was less than the average, like not as good as. I kind of grew up with that with that feeling, and. I think what happens when you kind of grow up with that, I think you feel like you're, like you want to overcompensate in a way. You know, another reason for going into acting or some, or, you know, having these, going after a huge dream, you know, you're probably overcompensating in some way. Oh, sure. Um, whenever, I mean, I mean, anytime you feel insecure, uh, um, lashing out, like, and, acts of rage or violence or like a shortcut to uh, our idealized uh, form of control mm-hmm. uh, but you know, in, you know we, we, 
we don't really have control. But if we get angry or we smash things or we get violent, uh, we can seize control at least in our in our mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I had similar uh, tribulations growing up uh, t- as well, and it's interesting how I mean, I, I mean, I reacted a little differently. I, uh, I grew up. I, I, well, I currently have dyslexia, but it wasn't diagnosed. Oh, yeah. It wasn't diagnosed until very late. So I remember in elementary school, uh, you know how you have you have two classrooms, and then they have it's called like a team, mm-hmm. and then you kind of switch. Like one teacher will only teach English, and it's but you're you're kind of like. Like going back and forth with the two classrooms, we had to do a um, a test where you tell time. So there's these clocks, okay. and you just tell time. <laughs> and that that's just like my kryptonite. I just couldn't do it. And uh, I remember, interesting, you said uh, if you pass, all the people that pass will go into one classroom and watch the Hound of Baskervilles, the Sherlock Holmes, but it was a cartoon. Right. And if you f- and if you didn't pass, you'll be put into the other room. So. <laughs> And that's one of my favorite Sherlock Holmes stories. And I just saw all these kids going in there, you know, lining up. They had a little popcorn for these kids. And I was just like, fuck them. And I got into this other room. It was me and, like, seven other black and some black kids. And they're like, man, what the fuck are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then, uh... Damn. They... It's weird, because at that time... This was, like, second grade. But at the time, they were like, man, fuck it. I don't, you know... They just felt hopeless, but they're like, "Man, we wish we were over there." But fuck it. And I felt so insecure because I wanted to be over there, but I didn't want anybody to know that I was with, you know, essentially the dumb kids. Right. But yeah, and I carried that, that, you know, that that uh, learning disability. I didn't know what. I just thought it was stupid, and I carried that with me for so many years. What is? I'm gonna ask you what dyslexia is in a second, but I. But the other thing I want to tell you is that I couldn't tell time for a long time. <laughs> What's your excuse? I'm, 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 I'm medic- I have a medical excuse. I'm curious to hear it, but exactly. I know, I know, tell me what it is. I don't want to. Well, I, uh, I forgot for a while because I, when I, when I was a kid. A standard. Basically, it's all cognitive. So your, your brain, uh, your brain gives, your frontal lobe gives you different, gives the rest of your brain different signals. Okay. So a lot of times it's numbers, a lot of times it's sentences. Like, I, it took me a long time to read. Like, you know, you're reading in, in class and you're like silently reading, and then, like, okay, you know, next 20 minutes read, like, for the next five right, pages. Right. And I would hear kids, like, move the page. I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm still in the first paragraph. And I just couldn't figure it out. I'm like, God, I guess I am dumb. But basically, you're, you just need to concentrate because you're the, the, the words will get scrambled mm-hmm. you know it'll look like a it almost look like a painting and then your brain will start to wander as a kid yeah. or even as an adult it doesn't matter what age you are you start thinking about other stuff mm-hmm. so I actually um, I was in a dentist's office in uh, I was in high school and I was waiting I, I was reading an article okay. about uh, it was like an interview with Cher and she said uh, yeah of all people and Cher. she said that she was dyslexic and then she's like said like how she was diagnosed and all her symptoms so I was like this sounds like me and so then uh, I voluntarily um, got tested for it and they were like yeah you seems like you have all the symptoms for it and at the time in high school I, I was in college bound I, I didn't think I was I was in remedial classes and then uh, yeah I was just like yeah fuck this oh well you know I mean because through 
you know, since I fucked up that time, that 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 clock test uh-huh. to through middle school until now, I, I was just kind of a, this is the track that I was on. Everybody, you know, and I kind of knew most of the kids more or less. I mean, we moved around a lot, but I just figured like, well, this is my lot in life, you know. Okay. I, you know, and then when I was diagnosed with that, that was like a light bulb for me, and it was just like, oh, okay, well maybe, maybe it's something different than me just kind of being dumb. So honestly, I, I did use it. In hindsight, I probably used that as an excuse of like not trying that hard, because it's just kind of like my attitude of just like, yeah. well, you know, I just I can't read that. It's I can't read that well, so. And it's kind of embarrassing too, right? I mean, when you're like 13 or whatever, and you're Hell having yeah, difficulty dude. reading. Oh well, yeah, man. I'm just like, man, I don't want to tell anybody. That's tough, dude. But, but you go a different. It sprouts in different ways, right? So I could have easily been very depressed. I could have easily, you know, lashed out and like, you know, strangle like puppies in the in the neighborhood or something. <laughs> but I, I actually, yeah. so I started getting into like comics because you know, comics you have it, there's not much text and there's more, you know, there's more, uh, right. there's more pictures than anything. And that really you know, started driving my my creativity and my my storytelling. Um, but yeah, um, it was a it was a difficult time for me in terms of just like I just thought I was just I just think you know because it's like something so simple like why can't I get this? Yeah. And everybody's just saying like you well you you really should be able to get this. I'm like I know I know. I know I yeah yeah you're just yeah. Yeah, it's at some point, I mean, some point you just want to be like, just give up and just be like, all right, well, fuck this, man. Because you, it's it's easier to be tough and because you're covering mm-hmm. rather than be like, I, I need some help. Right. Yeah. Well, I think eventually there's also that, that, that moment of just acceptance, you know, of just it's neither good nor bad it's just it just is it's just this is what you are and and it's really i mean something like dyslexia i mean what what is that it could totally mean that you also are completely designed for something that that isn't really taught or emphasized in the school system you know there's also a lot of flaws within i think the school system the way it's all set up and how you're supposed to know these these subjects are the things that you need to learn and that's it. You know, there's there's all that. Um, um, you know, you always hear stories of people who find their world and they're and it just they're like, why haven't I been doing? How come I haven't been in this world this whole time or whatever? How did you get diagnosed or or, or were you? I've never been diagnosed. Well, I, okay. How did how did you go from from that kid you were just talking about to to turning the page. Well, I will say that my mom did take me to a, a psychologist, <laughs> a child psychologist. I didn't know who the guy was at the time. She would just drop me off at this dude's house and we'd play games and then I guess he would, you know. Anyway. Um, was it like in the movies? Did he have like a neck bow tie? And no, he just seemed like a, a, a normal guy. Just, just. And you just thought you were just going to hang out with this guy? I, yeah. I, I didn't know what was going on. My mom just dropped me off one time with this dude. This is okay, this is doctor. Or I didn't even see, I think she even said doctor something. So this is so-and-so. You're just going to spend some time with him. You know. And I was like, okay. 
And it was years later, I think I asked my mom, Mom, who is that guy? <laughs> How come Ralph never comes around the house? <laughs> and and she said, well, he was a child. So I know it. <laughs> you were freaking psycho. What was wrong with me? Well, you know, we didn't know. You had some problems here and there. And, and we found out it was because you, you couldn't read very well. And once we got you reading, you know, you got along better with the other kids. I was like, oh, all right. Do you have a... Uh, um, how do you manage that with uh, with like with scripts and things like that? It's still like there's still a challenge to to read. Like I don't do it very often because I got a really, I mean, it's like first of all, if the book doesn't grab me in like the first yeah. couple pages, I'm like, well, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> um, scripts. Uh, um, I guess it's different. For some reason, I think, you know, because maybe because the actual physicality of what a script looks like, you know, the, the lines are spaced way far apart. You know, they're not next to each other like that. You got the line and line and, you know, stage direction. So there's not a lot, if you think about it, on one page of a script compared to a book. Right. You know, it's just right. line. It's just all, it's more. Most of like, it's dialogue. Yeah. Dialogue and instructions or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just theorizing here I, I've never really like thought about this but um, but with scripts I don't know I don't I, I read it I think one of my big problems is I I I I, I um, not contradict myself but I, I sometimes think I'm missing something when I read a script and I I doubt myself that I know everything what's going on like, is there, uh, I'm missing the, the subtext of what's, what this is all about, or, I don't know, I, I like, don't have, sometimes I, I, I want someone else to tell me what's going on here. Well, know? yeah, I mean, if you're working with a smart director, I mean, that's, I mean, hopefully, hopefully there's a collaboration and you bring something to the table and that person brings something to the table. Um, I'm, I'm, I've gotten better at this, like, now... When I'm working on a script or something with someone, I'm, I will, I have, hopefully gotten past the. I don't care if I look like a, an idiot asking this question. I got to ask this question, and I will ask it. Cause the end of the day, when you're on stage or whatever, you just, you know, you wanna. Um, if not, for me, if not every question hasn't been answered, I can't perform. You know, I'll, you know. So. Right. Cause then. Uh, an uninformed actor who's out there is just if you you're just kind of winging it and if you're winging it I don't mean improvising I mean you're just throwing shit up there yeah you're just saying the line or whatever yeah man I've I've, I've had horrible experiences like uh, you know mainly when I when I first came to New York and I wanted to be in anything a lot of the black box experiences that I had uh, you know black box theaters yeah. oh god those were awful they were just <laughs> Awful your performance level or the production was awful? Or both? The production was definitely awful. I'm going to go ahead and say like I was pretty bad too only because I was unhappy and, I didn't, uh -huh. and nobody knew what they were doing a lot of times. Uh, you know, I think every actor kind of goes through that phase of like, I'm in a show, but don't come see me. Like, you know, I book something, don't, don't, I know. don't, don't watch it. I know, I, I definitely, I know, you tell, you want people to know you're in a show. Yeah. That's all they want. Just, just know that I'm in a show. Just know that I'm working. That's it. That's all I want. That's all. I want. No, 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 no. Don't come see it. Yeah, yeah. Don't come see it, man. Come on. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I, I like to get over that because, um, 
you know, the, the flip side of that is, for me, I, I try to remember, I, it's, that's an ego thing, of course, you know, don't see me because I'm going to be bad, but, you know, it's like your talent, it's your, it's a thing that, no matter how bad your performance may be, that's going to affect that one person who sees you, and it, it's going to ring some weird chord inside of them and make them think about something that, you know, and... And you, and you too. You may discover something new about yourself. Well, yeah. I think if those things are, have at least the potential to be there, then it's worth it. Right. I think you know if you are just going to the theater uninspired and like I got to do this, mm-hmm. then hopefully you know it, it, after you after you're doing this after a while, you'll know in terms of judgment projects to just not get into. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. some things that you have to do a, a, a leap you're of faith. Right. You're right, yeah. But then there's other things where you're just like, eh, it just doesn't feel right in my gut. And yeah, well, that's the whole, that's that's it right there. you got to feel moved. Yeah. Uh, I, and if it doesn't happen in the beginning, it's not going to ramp up. Yeah, I know. That's what I've learned. It's like first impressions when you see a girl. <laughs> and you know where I stand on that. You know. But you see a girl, and you know immediately if you want to pursue something or not, you know? It, and even the ones you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. You ask a few questions, and you, you're kind of like, you know, it's... It has to be instinctive. It, yeah, it's instinctive. And the thing is, I don't know about you, but for me, that... It's not just a good script. I could work on a bad script if I know I'm working with a good group of people. Right, yeah, we're in this together. Yeah, right, yeah. I... It's... Um, I'm realizing, for me, it's all about the, the people you get to work with you know at least that's what I feed off mostly I, I you almost don't care if, anymore if it's a good script or not um, you do you should have some sort of you know you, you don't want to work on just utter trash but you, you never will when you but work it's organic stuff. right I mean you got to right. go from A to B to go all the way to Z and it's like this you know it's a journey yeah um, it's an organic living thing though you know and like do it whenever you can how are we doing on time? Because I want to yeah. get this. Oh, can we have time for the? Yeah. Have time for the jam? Oh yeah. Sure okay. Do. All right. Hang on for one second. Um, but this was a song I wrote. Uh, it's called "Bumps in the Road," and it's about having a bad day for no reason at all. You're. It's just you. You know, just life. Whatever. You have a bad day, and that's what happens. Does it sound okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Alright, so bumps in the road.
go crazy. So there you have it, folks. The definitive, truthful conversation of the Vandaltron Curious World podcast with the noble, valiant Josh Olakowski. Bodhisattva, go out and do good in the world. Ha <laughs> ha!